everyone. Welcome to another episode of Orange Juice Optional. Hey, Suzanne, how are you today? Good. How are you, Michelle? I'm doing pretty well. Just sitting here and um, contemplating and hoping that today when we record, we don't continue to have mic issues. (laughs) Right? We've been dealing with that very consistently, haven't we? We sure have. And it gets really frustrating. And so as listeners, I'm so sorry if you are experiencing just that change in my mic's issue. My fault. (laughs) Only this go around (laughs) because it's been my mic in the past too. We just, someday we'll figure it all out. Someday we'll get it. Right. But technology is one of those things in life that definitely has me procrastinating on a regular basis. If I don't understand it and if I have to deal with technology, like I will put that off. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I will too. Well, I I will forge ahead with it until I get to the breaking point where I'm ready to literally throw my computer against a wall and then I walk away and don't come back to it. Yeah, I guess we all have our breaking point. Mine's just very early on because I am not a patient person. <laughs> I disagree, but that's okay. Well, we're kind of teasing about what our um, topic is going to be today. I guess not really a teaser since in the last episode, we said next week is procrastination, but that will be our topic today. But before we start that, I want to ask you about the surprise that you got at your house this weekend. I did get a surprise, although (laughs) it was not really a surprise. I saw it coming a mile away. But Jeff did fly down to spend a week here in Phoenix from Anchorage. He's been in Anchorage most of the summer, and we actually haven't seen each other in over a month. So it was nice to have him show up on my door. But was I surprised? No, I was not. (laughs) So I have to ask, did you crush his dreams? Did you crush that bit of him that (laughs) so wanted to surprise you by saying, yeah, no? not a surprise. It did not crush him for two reasons. First, he knows I don't like surprises. So he was just a little bit relieved that I was expecting him because he knows that surprises and I don't get along. And secondly, he kind of thought maybe I had a feeling he was coming anyway, because we were going to meet in Seattle for the weekend to take care of our grandson. But COVID for COVID reasons that didn't work out. So I think he knew, I kind of knew he might come down here. Okay. Well, I have two things to say about that and I don't know which one to say first. So I'm just going to go with my gut and I'm going to say, would you have been surprised if Jeff had shown up at the house with dinner from Preston's, your favorite steak, the bone and filet when he arrived, would you have liked that surprise? I would have possibly liked that surprise. Hey, that would have been a surprise, Suzanne, though. There would have been an element still of surprise. But it just so happens it's a good thing he didn't do that because I had just had steak the night before. So if he had shown up with a steak dinner, I probably would have said, I don't feel like having steak tonight. And then you are buzz killing me right now because that was my idea to him on your way from the airport to the house, pick her up dinner from her favorite restaurant. And that'll be such a wonderful surprise. And she'll be so appreciative. 
And he knows me well enough to know that he probably shouldn't decide for me what we should have for dinner, even though he knows it's my favorite. But that's not why he didn't do it. He had to take a cab from the airport. We're about 45 minutes from the airport. So it's a big cab fare to get up here to our house. And he didn't want the added expense of having the cab stop at the restaurant so he could pick up the food and then come back up. So yeah, that's why it didn't happen. But the intent was good. The thought was nice. But in the end, it was better he didn't stop and get the dinner because I wouldn't have wanted steak. I wouldn't have wanted it. I wasn't in the mood for it that night. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Last time I'm like suggesting something <laughs> romantic or... It was a nice thought. It really was. Yeah, I've been put in the corner like baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the other thing, and hopefully this will get a better reaction, and I really wasn't a very good wing woman on this one, but it doesn't really matter because you knew anyway, but you did mention a few minutes ago that you don't like surprises. I don't. And... um. I had gone to dinner with JC, Jeff and Rob. Jeff had said that he wanted to surprise you. And JC, our good friend said, she hates surprises. Don't do that. (laughs) So he had your back, but your wing woman here said, oh, absolutely do it because I knew we were recording a podcast (laughs) and I wanted to hear how that went. That's that's a good ulterior motive because I was going to say, oh, you're, you know, you're always so romantic that you would think that was a good idea. You would hope, just like Jeff, that it's a good idea to surprise me. But JC, he had my back. The man knows me. He knows me well enough to know that, yeah, I wasn't going to like that surprise. (laughs) Suzanne, you give me far too much credit because I really didn't want it from a romantic point of view because it's you. (laughs) That's not you. I wanted it from a reactive point of view where I could get a reaction live for everybody to hear unfiltered. And yeah, that was my motive. Yeah. Well, and that's a good motive because I could have really gone off on a tangent. Had he brought dinner, I could have really, not only do I not like surprises where he just shows up, but I also don't like surprise dinners because I like to decide what I eat for dinner. I don't like other people choosing for me what to eat for dinner. Even if it's my favorite meal, if I'm not in the mood for it, I don't want to eat it. Can we just get off this dinner thing? Because I feel really bad about it. That was my suggestion. That was my romantic suggestion. And it was a good... For him to do that. It was Oh, it wasn't. I've heard you say it several times already today. It wasn't. Yeah. And for those reasons, because I like to pick what I eat. And if I'm not in the mood for it, then I'm disappointed and I feel like I have to eat it. So... Well, noted for future reference. But I appreciate the effort. Does that help? Or do you? Really? appreciate the effort, the thought. Yes, I do. I really do. I Just like I appreciate Jeff always wanting to surprise me. And he gets so much pleasure out of trying to surprise me. Okay. I just have to ask with you saying that, I have two more questions about this. The first question being, Jeff at that dinner had said that he was going to say the following words when he arrived. He was going to call you on the phone and he was going to say, hi, Suzanne, you sound awfully close right now. And then walk in the front door. Did he do that? No, he didn't. Ah, I love that idea, though. (laughs) Yeah. I had called him because I had tried to call him earlier in the day and his phone went straight to voicemail. So I did call him and say, where are you? Where have you been? Why is your phone off? 
And he said, I'm driving home, meaning you're home. so snoopy. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I get it. I get it. But okay. What was the last question? And then let's wrap this surprise. Yeah. Up. <laughs> the, the last question about this was back at Christmas, you got a Volvo and this past weekend you got Jeff. Which one were you more excited to receive? Okay. And let's be clear. I didn't really find the Volvo as a big surprise either. I kind of saw that one coming too. So neither was a real surprise, but clearly I was much more pleased that Jeff showed up at the door over getting my new Volvo. I love my new car, but I I guess I love my husband more. <laughs> wow, Suzanne 2.0 getting all uh, sensitive uh, on us. <laughs> I guess, I guess. But yeah, we've had a good week so far. Well, that's really good. And, you know, I'll just say real quick on surprises. I'm not a huge fan of them either. It's really hard to surprise me. And when that moment comes where I'm supposed to react. I never know how to act. So it's just uncomfortable for me. I don't like surprises either. I'm going to give you the origin of why I don't like surprises. Because on my 30th birthday, I had a six-month-old baby and two other children when I turned 30. And, you know, still carrying around extra baby weight still sleep deprived, still, you know, just not quite my put together self. Your cheery self. My cheery, happy, go lucky, thin (laughs) self. So I was meeting a friend for breakfast on my 30th birthday wearing sweats. And she kept saying, why don't we just run over to Nordstrom's and pick out a new outfit for you? And I'm like, no, I'm not spending any clothes on this body. I'm still trying to get back to my pre-pregnancy weight. And, you know, I don't think I got up, I rolled out of bed that morning, didn't shower because I was tired and baby had been up all night. And so she and I went shopping. I didn't buy anything, didn't have any makeup on, felt fat, wearing sweats. And she drops me off at home and there's a surprise party for me when I walk in the front door. And I look like shit, frankly. <laughs> and, and my house had been a mess because of the three children and my sleep deprivation. So my sister, bless her heart, had gotten a crew of my friends to come over to the house while my other friend had me out shopping to clean my house, which is a really nice gesture, really thoughtful for most people. But I was horrified that people I knew actually experienced the utter filth (laughs) that I had been living in for the last six months since my youngest son had been born. And um, I was humiliated by that. And then I walked in the front door, no makeup, unwashed hair, wearing sweats, feeling like crap, um, tired. And there were 30 people in my house that said, surprise! And I was pissed. (laughs) Were you able to get over being upset, though, at any point during that party and just enjoy yourself? Or were you just in a bad mood from go? I actually had a great party, but obviously I'm still stewing about it almost 30 years later because I was like, yeah, it's one of those moments. And I did. I quick ran upstairs. I changed my clothes. I 
threw on some makeup and had a great time at the party. It was very fun and it was great, but I never got over it. And I, ever since then, I'm like, no, I am not a surprise person. Do not surprise me ever for anything. Just don't do it. Yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to be in your bedroom when you went up there to change and put on some makeup because you probably were cursing your husband out so bad at that point. Not that he could hear you, but I'm sure the energy you were putting into that space. I was not a happy camper. That's that is true. And that was the, you know, the next day after the party, I said, what a fun party. We had a great time. Thank you. But don't ever do that again. And I said to him very clearly, and it was probably the first time I said to him, I'm not a big fan of surprises because I like to be prepared. I want to look my best. I want my house to look its best. I don't want to be embarrassed. And he was like, oh, no, you looked great, honey. And, and But it was still a fun party. I bet it was. And I'm not wanting to beat a dead horse here or procrastinate much longer, but this reminds me of another surprise that your husband did for you like 25 years later that um, cost you a trip to Napa with me Uh, and our friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Are you over that one yet? No, never get over that one either because I really wanted to go to Napa and I really wanted to, but at the same time, he was celebrating an accomplishment of mine and that a long time goal that I finished and he flew our kids into Scottsdale to surprise me. And he planned a family portrait out in the desert, which, and the photos are beautiful. I love them to death, but I still missed my trip to Napa that I was so looking forward to. So Jeff, like he really made an effort. He flew your entire family in, he got you a gift, and then he set up a family photo session. Like that's really planning ahead. My husband, he never would have thought of that. I feel really bad about it because it's kind of wasted on me because I was a little perturbed because I gave up my trip to Napa and he did go to a lot of effort and I did appreciate it. And we had a great time with the kids. We do have family photos, but yeah, I do feel like surprises are really wasted on me. Okay. Well, no surprises moving forward. And you know, I can't promise that because (laughs) it might make it for a good story (laughs) on the podcast or just in life in general. So do you think we should move on now? Have we procrastinated enough to get to our topic today? We might as well just push ahead. Okay. And as I've said several times and tried to bring it back in several times, we're talking about procrastination. And I guess the first question I would ask you, Suzanne, is are you a procrastinator? The first time you asked me that question, I maybe said, no, I'm not. Like on our last podcast, I can't remember what my answer was or if I or if we just put it out there as a teaser, but I really can be a procrastinator. There are certain times when I'm a procrastinator. I like to think that I'm not, but I am. What about you? Yeah. So I have given this topic way too much time and attention as I've um, thought about it. And I would like to say that I'm not a procrastinator. And in most parts of my life, I'm not. However, there are times or situations where procrastination and putting it off is my jam. Like (laughs) if I have to have a really uncomfortable conversation with somebody or share some news or have a talk that I'm not looking forward to, 
I will procrastinate. I do not want to step into that feeling of I'm disappointing someone. I don't want to step into that feeling of them being mad at me, perhaps. So really, when it comes to dealing with people, I do (laughs) try not to hurry and have these conversations that are difficult. So then I dwell on them and then just feel worse. But Right. So procrastination really does you no good in those situations. No, the conversation still has to be had. It's just in my mind, I would like to go over it several times. And then, of course, when you have the conversation, it never goes like you've planned in your mind. That's exactly right. There's always that element of surprise in a conversation that you've planned to have, especially uncomfortable conversations, even when you try to anticipate their responses. There's always that element of surprise. So my whole point is those kind of conversations are very easy to procrastinate. Do you do that too? Do you hold off on those conversations or tough decisions that you have to make involving other people? I avoid them like the plague. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like, I want nothing to do with those conversations. I am not a confrontational person at all. And if I feel like I'm going to hurt someone's feelings or I'm going to be put them in a bad situation or I have to call them out on something, ugh, I hate those. Yeah, I'll procrastinate as long as I possibly can. And there's nothing good about it because I'm just putting off the inevitable. And the angst continues to build inside. And I know the last conversation I had that was really uncomfortable like that, it took liquid courage. Like I knew (laughs) I had to have this conversation and we were out to dinner one night. I think Jeff was there too. And the person I needed to talk to happened to be there at the restaurant also. And he came and sat down with us. And I just had this conversation because like I knew it was then or never. (laughs) I would keep putting it off until something else would happen that brought it to his attention, which wouldn't have been fair. And that's a good point. Although I also am a believer in waiting for the right moment, then I wouldn't consider it procrastination. I guess it's the definition of procrastination because in situations like that, you got to seize the moment when it feels right. And I did. Yeah, see? With a little uh, champagne help, no orange juice. I did. (laughs) Well, although you know my rules of confrontation. What? You have rules? I do. You live by rules? I live by rules. (laughs) So it started, and my sister, one of my sister-in-laws actually introduced this concept to me, I don't know, 20 years ago. But you you never send a drunk email and you never send an angry email. And I feel that way about conversations. You never have a confrontational conversation after drinking or when you're really angry because inevitably you're going to screw it up and you're going to regret part of it or all of it. So I really, 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 really try not to have those conversations or send those emails even after one glass of wine. Right. And I feel like you're calling me out here. A little bit. Okay. Well, that's okay. It still was the right moment and it was only two glasses of champagne. And I don't regret the conversation because I got to have it face-to-face rather than phone or email. 
That is good because gosh, you're surly today. Gee, I am a little. Like, I can't get out of my own way here I'm with sorry. you. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I am a little surly. I'm in that mood today. But what I was going to say is, Jeff taught me this. It's always better to have that conversation face to face. It's always better than an email. It's always better than a phone call. That face to face is harder. Takes a lot more courage, but it inevitably is going to be better if you do it face to face. And I I agree with that. And you know, years ago I was talking to my son Cameron. I had gone to visit him in Boise, and he had some life choices he was trying to work through. And so my kids all accused me of asking a million questions. Maybe I do, but I don't feel like I do. Kind of like you don't feel like you're screaming when you are. Exactly. So anyhow, I was asking him all these questions and Cameron is a notorious procrastinator. But he said to me in that moment, mom, that's a future Cameron problem. I'm not dealing with it right now. And I use those words all the time. That's a future Michelle problem. I don't have to deal with that today. I love that. I know. Isn't that good? Wisdom from, I think at that time it was like 24, 25. And it sticks with me. I use it all the time. I'm going to use that from now on too. That's a future Suzanne problem. (laughs) It doesn't have to be dealt with in the next five minutes. While we're talking about Cameron, I do have to share the story because he is a notorious procrastinator. And I don't really know why. I just think he works well under pressure. I, I, I don't know for sure if that's his type of procrastination, but that's what I'm going to put under there. So when he was in high school, of course, he forgets to tell me that he has this award ceremony for, I don't know, GPA or something. And so I show up for it and they call his name and he goes to accept this award, you know, for being brilliant because he's really super smart and he is wearing I'm a hundred percent slacker t-shirt, 100% procrastinator t-shirt, like all across the front of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we obviously didn't plan this very well, but it's kind of humorous. That's more than humorous. That's really, really funny. But it brings me, and you probably have a much more organized way of talking about procrastination, but it takes me back to high school and college when I never wanted to procrastinate and my goal was always to get something done right away so I wouldn't have to wait until the last minute because I hate trying to get something done at the last minute. And so I always, I'd get an assignment for a paper that was due eight weeks from now at the end of the semester. And I'd be like, okay, I'm starting this now. I'm going to have it done, you know, three weeks before it's due. And then I'll have time to edit it. And inevitably it would get down to the wire and I would be working on it the last week that it's due, not making the progress I needed to make over the course of the last eight weeks. And I would get so mad at myself because it's like, I never wanted to do that, but why is it that I always ended up in the home stretch, just busting my butt to get something done. Right. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about my college years because I can break my college years into two sections before baby and after baby, because I graduated when Cameron was two, I think. And I am really good with a deadline. And before, and I just have to share the story because I was so incredibly frustrated and it still lives on in my mind. So in my early years of college, you know, you have a 
week or two week deadline, I would get my work done. And in the time computers weren't a thing yet, I'd have to type write everything, but the rough draft could be in handwriting. And so I remember this one night, you know, I had scheduled my time really well. I'd gotten my notes done, my rough draft done, and I'm ready to type it. And I start typing. And then somebody comes over to our house, an adult friend. It was actually my brother's best friend's dad who came over and he started drinking. Oh no. And he was a computer guy. And again, computers are just being introduced. And I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine with my typewriter. Like it's due tomorrow. I'm about halfway done. I'm fine with my typewriter. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you have to see how this computer works. So the man went to his house and disconnected all the parts of his computer, came back to our house and reassembled it and tried to teach me how to use a computer in that moment while I was on a deadline that I had anticipated. Wow. I was so frustrated. Like I typed it all up. It got lost. We couldn't find it. I had to retype it, ready to print it. Oh, he forgot his printer. Like it was 12 or one by the time this was done. And I was so incredibly frustrated. I'm like, that is never happening to me again. And I guess what I have to say about my later years in college is with a baby there and working, my time was so limited. I couldn't waste it and I couldn't drop the ball or get distracted by something. So I had to be organized in that moment just to survive. And so procrastination wasn't even an option. It was just get it done in those moments of time. And so I think that's really helped me moving forward. And yes, today is the Michelle show. (laughs) All Michelle day. No, 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 no. I can really relate to that to this day because, and you and I both still run into this technology roadblock. And looking back, it seems so simple to actually handwrite a paper. It took longer, but you handwrote your paper, you edited it, you typed the final draft on a typewriter. And yeah, it took longer. You had white out, you had, you know, the backspace delete button on your typewriter. But, you know, you didn't deal with the, my printer doesn't work. My printer's out of ink. There's no internet connection. I mean, there's such there's such a long list of issues with that make it so hard to accomplish a simple task in my mind. That is my age talking. I realize I am dating myself ridiculously. But I'm agreeing with you 100% because, I mean, I was on that changing time where computers were really starting to come in, but yet... I'm a comfort person and I always fall back on what's more comfortable. And yeah, technology is great when it works, but I'm digressing and I'm I know. going to let myself because <laughs> they all know we hate technology. Yep, we do. So I guess what I'm trying to say is when it comes to having a timeline in place or a deadline in place, I am very good at not procrastinating because I don't like to put myself in a state of chaos like this move every step of the way, like I have jobs to do and I'm trying to work through it a little bit at a time. So at the end, I don't have a big shit show. However, my husband, who has a beautiful garage with lots of fun things that he will never get rid of Mm -hmm. and a shed, he hasn't taken the time yet to start going through that. So that is stressing me out, but I have to let that go. That's his stress. Exactly. That's his stress. That's his his issue. It's kind of like 
that's a future Michelle problem. That's a future Rob problem. (laughs) Exactly. So our approach to deadlines is a little bit different. However, I guess what I was going to say, in addition to putting off difficult conversations, the other time I find I procrastinate is when there's not a set deadline in place. Like if I have to make a call to get the car in for service, or if I have to make a call to have someone come fix the heater or a doctor's appointment, things that don't have pressure on it, I procrastinate doing. You know what? So do I. And which I think, (laughs) yeah, you're going to have to refresh my memory. We may have touched on this in our last podcast because You asked me if I was a list maker, and I said I'm a mental list maker. And I wonder if it would help me if I would write down those non-deadline things I have to do instead of just keeping them in my head. Because when they're in my head, they're just constantly turning, and I'm processing it. It's like, I still got to get that done. I still got to get that done. If I wrote it down on a piece of paper and then was able to scratch it off my list when I did it, that would probably help me from procrastinating because it makes me feel good. Whereas when it's a mental list, I don't have that physical ability to scratch it off. You know what I'm saying? I do. And you may be onto something there. Yeah. Because it feels good to scratch something off. Right. And my mental list is always getting longer. I'm always adding to the bottom of that list. And I think I need to write that list down so I can at least cross off the things at the top of the list. So my list that gets longer and longer really stays the same. (laughs) Yeah. And you can take out the clutter of those little things that you're procrastinating just by putting them on paper, separate them. Exactly. I'm going to try this. It's it's going to be a new exercise that I, I attempt. I'm going to try and write down, I'm going to have a master sheet on my kitchen counter. And every time I think of something I have to do, I'm going to write it on that piece of paper. And I'm going to let you know how my progress is. I'm going to let you know in one of our upcoming podcasts, if it has been helpful. Okay. And I may do the same challenge. And we'll just see. We'll see how it goes. If we find our lives are more organized and less procrastinated. And we find ourselves procrastinating less time or less often. I like that. I I have to ask you, because this is on my list, do you procrastinate when it comes to packing a suitcase? Really good question. Because I... Did I stump you? (laughs) Well, I think it depends because you know this about me, is that I have a warm weather suitcase always packed. And I started that because of closet space issues. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to Hawaii anyway, I might as well just have a Hawaii suitcase packed at all times. So when it's time for me to go to Hawaii, all I have to do is grab that suitcase and go. And I know that it has everything in it that I need. And I only touch that suitcase when I leave. And then when I come back, do the laundry and repack it. And then it goes back into the closet until my next trip. Okay. So in that moment, like where you have that suitcase, that warm weathered suitcase, always packed, you take it, you have your vacation, you come back, you do your laundry. And as you're folding things to put back in the suitcase, are you asking those items if they still spark joy? Yes, I do. I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to actually do it in that way. (laughs) 
but there is always a reject pile. When I repack the suitcase, it's like, yeah, you're not coming back with me to Hawaii. <laughs> you, you lost your, your chance. Didn't like you, never wore you. You don't get to go back. And so then do you put it aside and then make a mental note? Like I have to replace that pair of shorts or I might be a pair of shorts, short, <laughs> short, short. I will replace it immediately. I will go find another pair of shorts. If it's a pair of shorts, if it's a top, if it's a dress, I will go pull another one out of my closet. And, you know, it's easy when it's like, okay, I could say a tropical climate or it's because I call it my Hawaii suitcase. Okay, let's be fair. Because it's like, I don't wear those clothes at any other time. I wear them when I go to Hawaii. So I can go to my closet and then I can say, this looks like something I would only wear in Hawaii. So it can go into the Hawaii suitcase. But if it's something that I never even pulled out of the Hawaii suitcase when I was on the trip and I edit it and remove it from the suitcase, I don't necessarily feel the need to replace it. And I do always have in the back of my mind, I can always buy it when I get to Hawaii if I need it. Right. That is um, a good thing to always remember. Right. You can always buy it when you get there if you have to, if you're in that situation. So that's one packing scenario for me. But in the case of a trip comes up or, and I have a cold weather suitcase, a similar cold weather suitcase, that one's an easy one because it's usually so warm in Arizona that you never wear your cold weather clothes here. So it's a good storage place and I can grab that suitcase and go cold. Yeah. Which basically you're saying go to Alaska because I don't see you going snow skiing or to the mountains of Colorado, but maybe. No, but I did use it when I went to Seattle. Oh, well, yeah. Because in February in Seattle, it's pretty wet and cold compared to Scottsdale, Arizona. And it's a good thing that I had that suitcase because it was perfect for Seattle. But when other trips come up and I pack my suitcase, yeah, I will pack the night before we leave. What about you? How do you do your packing? Well, I do procrastinate, but probably not like some people. I have seen some people's suitcases. I'm not going to throw her under the bus, but maybe I will. (laughs) My sister, when she packs, I think she just goes and just grabs everything and throws it into her her bag and zips it up. And her bag may be 70 pounds, but she just smiles at the person checking her in. And they're like, oh yeah, we won't charge you for overweight or anything like that. So that's how my sister packs. She has no idea what she has. However, I look at the weather forecast where I'm going and then I go through my clothes and I pick outfits for each day. Not that I'm going to wear them on that particular day, but just to make sure I have enough clothes. And that's kind of how I try to pack. And I don't leave it to the last minute, although it's usually the day of. Interesting. This brings up another conversation point for me about packing, which, you know, again, maybe we're getting too detailed, too much information, but that's what we do. Exactly. That's part of what we do. I always overpack when I have to wait until the last When I wait until, I shouldn't say I have to wait until the last minute. When I wait until the last minute, I overpack because I dress based on my mood and you can never predict what your mood is going to be on any given day. And so I will have like three outfit options 
for every single day I'm gone. And I will realistically wear one option for three days in a row. So I'm really packing nine times more than what I actually use when I go. And every single time I do it, I think, I'm going to go light this time. I'm just going to pack a few things. I don't need to take everything. And then I get in kind of that panic mode and I'm like, but what if I don't feel like wearing that that day? I need something more comfortable. I need something dressier. I need, and I end up packing everything. And I do it every time. I drive myself insane doing that. Yeah. And I'll just throw out there for anyone wondering, when she shows up at the airport, it's not like she has a ton of bags. So she very efficiently, but the bag might be heavy. I'm not going to try and lift your bag. Yeah. No, my bag is always heavy. And I do have a rule to myself though, that if I can't lift my own bag, I don't have any business carrying it. I don't have any business having that heavy of a suitcase. So I always pack it to the point that I can lift it because I'm never going to ask anyone to help me with my bag. I always have to be able to carry my own bag. But I also want to point out that my daughter is the one who taught me how to pack efficiently. She was horrified. I don't know how many years ago this was when she actually saw me packing my suitcase. And she said, mom, why are you packing like that? She said, you could get three times as much stuff in that suitcase if you roll everything. And I was like, you're kidding me. And she goes, I can't believe you don't do that. And so she walked me step by step through how to pack a suitcase efficiently. And I live by that now. And I can, I can pack a lot in a small amount of space. I may need that lesson. It's a great lesson. It is amazing how much more space you have when you roll your clothes. Okay. I'm going to say something that's completely off topic, but it's a a life lesson that I just learned the other day. And I know everyone's going to be like, you are such an idiot. And all I can say is I probably missed that day in home ec, but um, I was boiling water the other day and I never boil water with a lid on. I don't put it on until it says, put a, you know, cover with the lid and let simmer for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. We're making rice. Okay. So it's not (laughs) anything too difficult. So Rob walks over and puts a lid on the water. I'm like, why are you doing that? The water's boiling. And he goes, Michelle, did you not know that water boils? (laughs) quicker when there's a lid on it. And I said, no, I never realized that because I always follow the directions. That is so funny. That is such a blonde moment. Like my hair color is coming through and we laugh about that. I hate that, that phrase. It's such a blonde moment. You can't help that you're blonde and being blonde does not, you know, that, that stereotype. Oh, Cause I'm blonde okay. too. And yeah, you know what I mean. I'll just leave it as I miss that day in home. <laughs> I like not that. anything I ever thought about because I follow the directions on the, the box. And if you look on a rice, like the back of a rice box, the first picture just shows the pan with no lid as the water boils. And then once you add the rice and you put the lid on. And so I just follow rules. Yeah. That's so funny. That is so funny, which makes me think because I could springboard off of that and give you all of these cooking tips or home ec tips that maybe people don't know. Let's do that in a future episode. Like all these little life hacks. Oh, I like that. Life hacks. Yeah. Life hacks. Oh, I like that because I have a lot of them that probably most people know, but it's like when I discovered them, it was like one 
aha moments in my life. Like, you are kidding me. This is great. And packing my suitcase was one of those aha moments. When my daughter taught me how to pack a suitcase, I was like, this is life changing. Okay. So we might need to do like our top 10 life hacks. Let's do that. I'm on it. So I guess since that is a future episode, we should move back to procrastination. <laughs> yeah. And do you have any other types of situations that you find yourself procrastinating in? I'm going to toss that question back to you while I think about it, because I'm sure there are reasons why I procrastinate, but you answer first and then I'll, then I'll see if I can come up with reasons. No, I I really think I'm good at where I left it. I tend to procrastinate, as I said, little recap here, when there is not a deadline put on things and if they're difficult conversations I don't want to have. The rest of the time, I really try not to because I don't like that feeling of chaos. And when it comes to cleaning house or, you know, those daily tasks to make me feel comfortable in my own space, I never procrastinate. And I usually do the hardest ones first because I want to get them out of the way. So the rest of it, I mean, house cleaning is never enjoyable, but seems more enjoyable once the toilets are clean, right? (laughs) I agree with that. And I was just, when you said that out loud, I thought, okay, how do I clean a house? Do I always do the difficult tasks first? And I don't know that I do that. I think I save the worst for last. Or when Jeff gets home and you say, hey, Jeff. (laughs) No, I can't. (laughs) Jeff is a really good, how that man can clean a kitchen. I'm just saying he, he can clean a mean kitchen. But yeah, I hate housekeeping. My philosophy instead of procrastinating is why don't I just pay someone to do it for me? And I realize that it's a very um, frivolous attitude to take, but it is my attitude because it's like I can find every reason in the book not to clean a house or not to do laundry or not to do any home keeping things at all. Whereas if you're paying someone to do it, that's what they do. Right. So you just completely take out the element of procrastination from it because you know what you have on your plate, which is a lot and it causes overwhelm. So you can handle this by putting a professional on it who will take care of that and take it off your plate. Right. So I think that's how I deal with my procrastination because I can honestly say if I have to clean my house, I can put that off for until the end of time. So what do you think the characteristics are that feed into procrastination as to why people procrastinate? I am thinking that it causes anxiety. So people might procrastinate because they feel anxious about something like they're not going to be able to do it well enough, or it's too much on their plate, or there's no interest. So it could be anxiety. It could be fear-based. could be laziness or just a lackadaisical attitude. It could be avoiding judgment or too much pressure. What do you think? Well, when you're saying those things, I wonder if there are any times procrastination is a positive thing. Like, and this is not me in any way, shape or form, but I think I know people who procrastinate because they like the thrill of pushing it to the end and they actually feel like they do their best work when they're under pressure 
And so they will wait until the very last minute to do it to get that thrill of being under pressure. And they think they do their best work if they wait until the last minute. Right. Can I just share one quick story here as you're mentioning this? So I'll go back to Cameron because, as I said, he is the procrastinator in my life. And many years ago, we're Lutheran and in eighth grade, you get confirmed. And so before confirmation, you have to give a faith talk. And I remember saying to Cameron, like looking at this paper, hey, you have this faith talk coming up, you know, timeline's not going to disappear here. You have to get it done. And then I saw his notes and I'm like, Cameron, like, are you kidding me? Like, come on here. You, you got to perform. You got to give your faith talk. You're not getting confirmed. So the night of the faith talks, he got up there and he wowed everybody. And I was like, oh my gosh, why did I worry? Why did I invest so much of my own anxiety and throw it on him when he had it completely under control? He was just doing it the way he does it. So I understand that, what you were saying. And good lesson learned. Yeah, definitely. And when you mention it, that I did look it up and there are several different websites, but the one I looked at um, listed five different types of procrastinators. And the one you just mentioned, they call the crisis maker, deliberately pushing back work till the last minute because they like the thrill of it. That was one of the types. That's so interesting. Okay, what are the other types? Okay, I found the information at lifehack.org. And they listed the five different types of procrastinators. The first one, which is where I think I would fall in the the majority of the time, is the perfectionist. You're afraid to start a task because you get stressed out about every detail. And with that type of procrastinator, the site did also say that you can get stuck mid-project just out of fear. Interesting. So that was type number one. Type number two was the dreamer. The dreamer enjoys making a plan more than taking action to complete the plan. So uh, they're highly creative, but finding it difficult to complete the actual project. That was the second type. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. The third type is the avoider. Scared to take on tasks they think they cannot manage. They put off work to avoid the judgment of others. One way to remedy this or to help with that is to focus on the worst task first, which I kind of talked about earlier. Right. Okay. And then the fourth one was the crisis maker, which we talked about. They like deadlines, but usually, you know, some people would look at that as having poor time management skills, but they just don't, they they like the, the thrill of the deadline. And then the final one, the busy procrastinator has trouble prioritizing tasks because there are so many or trouble prioritizing because they don't have any interest in what they're doing. Huh. Interesting. I'm trying to decide where I fall in all of those categories because I would have said avoidance is my reason for procrastinating or my type of procrastinating. I avoid things I don't want to deal with. Yeah. And I I see myself bouncing between the perfectionist and the avoider. Right. But the priority one, I'm pretty good at prioritizing what needs to get done. I just still, when I have too much on my plate, then I don't want to do anything. Because then you get lost in overwhelm. Yes. So I think I'm an avoider and I'm the prioritizer. Those are, are the two areas where I would tend to 
procrastinate. So I'm not sure how much time we have left, but I do have a quiz oh, I that addresses whether or not we are procrastinating. I think, okay, well, let's bring it on because I think we have enough time for that. We're, we're coming to the close, but we have time for the quiz. This is an official quiz because it is actually from psychologytoday.com. Oh, okay. So let me just hit take the test. And I've already taken it. So the answers I give will be your answers. Okay. Sounds good. So which of the following statements best describes your attitude to deadlines? I like having a good time reserve in case something goes wrong. I like the pressure of an oncoming deadline, but I still need to have a solid time reserve. I work best when I know there's a deadline coming soon, like within a week. I have the utmost disrespect for deadlines, so I barely finish anything on time. Or I love the feeling of racing against the clock to see if I can meet the deadline. I'm the third one. I had that one highlighted. Oh. Okay. So question number two, you have a 10 page report due in a month. When do you start working on it? First option is immediately three weeks before it's due, two weeks before it's due, one week before it's due, several days before it's due, the night before it's due, or you just don't do it at all. Well, I'm a combination because I will start it immediately and then I will table it until about a week before it's due. Okay. Then I'm going to put, since I don't have the option to put both, I'm going to put one week before it's due. Okay. But I will start it immediately and I will table it, but I will think about it. Once I've started it, my brain is engaged. You know, you're arguing with me and not the quiz, right? I I know. I get it. Okay. (laughs) But that is noted. That's noted for everyone. Okay. So the next question is, when I'm at work or studying, I find myself daydreaming most of the time, often, sometimes, rarely, or almost never. When I'm working, I'm never daydreaming. So that's an almost never. But that's not always how it is. I mean, okay. Yeah. Well, for the sake of the quiz, it is. Oh, I never did. I never daydream. (laughs) Never. Okay. At work. (laughs) Okay. It is Wednesday and the deadline for a rather important assignment is Friday, but you're just not in the zone. So what do you do? Here are the options. I figure that I'm not going to get in the groove. So I'll try again tomorrow. I force myself to start working and do what I have to do. I wait until I find myself in the mood. I spend a good amount of time on preparations, getting motivated, planning, making lists, developing a strategy, sharpening pencils, et cetera, or I break it into smaller steps and start working. That's your answer, isn't it? The last one. That would be me. Yeah. Well, if I'm not in the zone, I will always attempt to start it, but it becomes an exercise in frustration for me. So I will table it until the next day or until I feel like I'm in the mood for it. Okay. I'm going to say I wait until I find myself in the mood. Yep. Question number five. When I have something pressing to do that isn't really appealing, like cleaning my room, organizing CDs, or doing my taxes, I typically, there's a first choice, find something else more interesting to work on, immediately start working on the particular task, start working on it, but drag it out with other distractions, such as phone calls, making trips to the bathroom, getting something to eat. Or I start working on it for a little while, but move on to something else if I get bored or frustrated, which I think that's you. That is me. 
definitely. Okay, you're not going to fight about it. Nope, not not going <laughs> to argue with it. Nope, that's me. Okay, question number six. A professor or superior accuses you of not putting enough effort into a project. Not only was there nothing constructive about his or her criticism, but it was said in front of three other people. The next time you're given an assignment, how do you react? First choice, I start the assignment immediately so that I have time to make it absolutely perfect. I hold off for a little while, but figure that it is in my own best interest to complete the assignment. Or I wait until the deadline is right on top of me before I complete it. Or I resolve to hand it in late. Or, last choice, I absolutely refuse to give the person the satisfaction of my work and I don't complete the assignment at all. I don't like any of those answers. I don't like the question. And I realize I'm <laughs> I'm arguing with you, not the... Because if someone's going to call me that out on that in front of other people and say, I didn't put in the effort, I'm going to argue with them right then and there. I'm not going to wait until the next assignment. I'm going to, I'm going to say my piece on the spot. I'm going to say, wait just a minute. I'm pretty good at defending myself in a situation like that. There's nothing worse than being, being told that you didn't put in effort when you spent you know, a lot of time doing anything. So... Anyway, I completely agree with that. And I don't like confrontation. So I probably would have just defaulted to one of these questions. (laughs) Okay. But I get the point of the question. There's going to be a next assignment. So what will I do in the next assignment? I will treat the next assignment exactly like I treated the first assignment. I don't know if that's one of our options, but that's what I would do. Uh, it's not one of the options. I'm just going to push <laughs> this button here. I hold off for a little while, but figure that it's in my own best interest to complete the assignment. That seems closest to what you're saying. Okay. So number seven, I can accurately estimate how long a task will take me to complete most of the time, often, sometimes, rarely, or almost never. I can usually estimate how long a project's going to take me to complete. And the big bugaboo is when technology is involved and someone's something sends me off into some tangent world that I have to deal with. But I can usually predict how long it's going to take me. So most of the time. Most of the time. What's your answer to that? Most of the time? So I guess my answer for that question would be often because without all the other things going on around me, I'm pretty good about it. But as you said, once you factor in technology or the new puppies or something, it always takes a little bit longer. But I factor that in so it could maybe be most of the time. Okay. So the next question, how clean do you keep your living quarters? I clean up after myself as I go. I clean up every couple of days. I clean once a week. I let things build up until I can't stand it anymore. I clean only when someone is coming over. I clean only when someone makes me. I clean up as I go, but I only hold that to myself and myself only. I do not do that with my children or my husband, but I clean up as I go. As do I. So we're the same there. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So the next question, it's a little bit of a long question. So I'll just jump right in. You're over to friend's house when you spot a magazine featuring psychological tests and quizzes. You are dying to learn about yourself, but it's an old issue and the magazine is no longer available. Your friend offers to lend it to you, but makes it clear that she really wants it back. You bring it home and take all the quizzes. When do you return the magazine? Okay, here's your first choice. The next time I see her, I arrange to return it to him or her immediately. 
I return it to her after she reminds me once. I return it to her after she reminds me several times or I never return it. I have the intent to return it the next time I see her, but inevitably I will forget it the next time I see her unless she calls me right before I come and say, hey, will you remember to bring that magazine? My intent is always to return it the next time I see her, but I can't guarantee that that's actually going to happen. Okay, so I'll just put, <laughs> I return it to her after she reminds me once. Okay, we'll, we'll go, go okay. with that. Even though you understand my intent is to return it right away without needing to be reminded. Right, and intentions are always good, and that is always my intent too. <laughs> yeah, but they don't count. Okay, so here's the last question. Typically, I pay my bills, A, well, there's no A. (laughs) So typically, I pay my bills as soon as they arrive, a few days after they arrive, a few days before the deadline, just before the deadline or after the deadline. I pay them on their due date. I pay them so that they will arrive on their due date. Okay, let me see what that might translate to. If they're due on the first of the month, I put them in the mail on the 28th of the previous month so that they... I'll just say a few days before the deadline. Yes, because they will receive it on the deadline. On the due date, they will receive it. Okay, so your overall result is you scored a 37. (laughs) I hope that's not out of 100. (laughs) I'm a big... It is. Oh, I'm a big failure. No, I think 100 means you're really procrastinating. Oh, I get it. I don't know where to start on this, but I'll just start down here. According to your results, you have a slight tendency to procrastinate. If you are generally happy with the quality of your work and the results that you get, there's no need to change. You're not a huge procrastinator. You procrastinate, but you're happy. And I find that very, that description very accurate. I would agree with almost the entire part of it. Now, what? where did you end up? What was your score? I don't remember, but it was probably pretty similar. Um, I didn't write it down when I took it. It was like really late at night. Oh. I'm like, oh, why don't I take this test right now? But I didn't write it down, but it wasn't a super high one. I, I will retake it and tell you my score next time. Okay. That's perfect. Okay. Because I know we're running out of time, but yeah, don't be surprised that that was pretty accurate because it was from psychology today and that's what they do. Yeah. It, they do it well, don't they? Because I, they found sure it very, I found it very accurate, but now I'm going to, I'm excited about our next topic and life hacks and I'm going to start researching that immediately. Yeah. And I am too. And hopefully like The research jogs my memory as to like the cool things that I know that I don't give my credit, myself credit for knowing. I know. But if you already know it, how do you know that it's a life hack? How do you know that it's a, that's where, okay, we got to wrap this up. I'm, I'm getting off on another tangent. Okay. You are, you are. Yeah. We're out of time. Yeah. I guess with all that shared and was a big episode, I had a lot of fun with this episode too. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So I guess I'll just say cheers. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years. And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting. The biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had God send music, 
I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know-everything-about-podcasting kind of guy, and the best part for us was that he was so nice and down-to-earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count because we are a technology challenge. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Podigy. Our next toast is for you. Cheers. Cheers.